0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. As always, I'm your host, Lemosis Adela Marcy, and today we've got another amazing badass. On, uh, on the line, so to say, I'm using that definitely as more of a pun because the person we have is the head of Bluefish HQ. The guy's an amazing dude. Uh, we got none other than Mr. Steve Sims here. Now, this show as always, is always sponsored by Adlamarcy.com, blueprintcom and today SteveDSims.com. You'll see the links in the descriptions as always. Steve, thank you for doing this and taking the time. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Oh, dude. Okay, so just a quick backstory for everyone that doesn't know this man. And you'll hear me refer to him as either a Banff or just a badass this entire time. Because in the the short space of time that I've known Steve... And when I say short, I've been following him for some time. But it's only recently we've got connected. Um, This guy's more connected than me. And a lot of people say that I'm pretty connected. No, this guy's connected like a million times more than I am. He's in the crux of everything. He's got he's just that kind of guy he's that guy that you get along with at parties everywhere i can tell you right now from what i do know this guy has a genuine love for people and helping so strap in put whatever thing you're doing down and just listen because i tell you right now during this call you're probably going to pick up a couple of gems and a couple of good stories so steve what tell me more about you dude because like honestly i want to know how you got started in all of this because you're from Reading, if i'm not mistaken right
1: I am. I'm I'm trying to work out how I can live up to that intro for a start, but um, yeah, I'm a Reading boy, uh, born and raised in Reading, moved to East London, um, son of a, of a construction family, and just basically that's my roots. I'm just a, a raw... I class myself now as an educated man because I'm 51 years old, but I do believe school had nothing to do with that education. So... Uh, that's, that's just me. I've just, I've just grown up, just grown up me, never changed.
0: <laughs> that's always the best way to be. Some curious here, yeah, just. like, how did you end up, uh, you know, where you are right now? Cause I know you're in California. So
1: yeah, well, I went the long route. Um, again, being an East London boy and, you know, my family being Irish, um, we, we talked our way into anything. It was a gift that the Irish have. Um, and I, as a bricklayer, I wanted the polar opposite of where I was. So I tried to get a job, get this, as a stockbroker. Um, <laughs> so I felt that bricklaying, stockbrokers, so similar. Um, but this was in the 80s where everyone was, uh, you know, stock, stock markets were going nuts. They literally just needed people to answer the phone. I turned up to a, a, a banking company to become basically a, a phone rep, nothing more than an answer service. Um, While I was there, they were actually giving a lecture to people that they were sending to Hong Kong. I snuck into this room and pretended that I was one of the people selected and even took the girl into checking that my address was there. Of course, it wasn't there because I I wasn't even (laughs) working for the bank. And Believe it or not, through all of this chaos, this girl actually took my address and I got sent a one-way ticket to uh, Hong Kong for this bank and here's the beautiful thing I landed on the Saturday and I was fired on the Tuesday so that was the shortest career ever uh, once they realised that I had basically just shammed my way into getting a job
0: so that's it that that right there is probably the most perfect summation of what happens if you just take advantage of what when a situation is happening.
1: Exactly. yeah 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 that was it and then from there i was obviously fired in hong kong um one-way ticket so i just ended up just like kicking around uh trying to work out what i was going to do i started going to the bars where the expats were and then eventually being the fact that i was born big and ugly um i ended up working on the door um so i was a doorman for clubs in hong kong and then eventually started doing my own parties and I never liked small stuff. You know, it's go big or go home kind of thing. Yep. So, you know, I started taking over penthouses, yachts, warehouses. And basically, I was a party promoter at first. Um, and then the events got bigger in Macau, Bangkok, Tokyo. And then I started looking after some stuff for Monaco. And then I got involved in the Monaco Formula One. And then I was with Ferrari. And it just, it just, just stepping stones. And the more I did, the more credible I'd become. And your, your your failings are literally just education on how not to do something. So the more I fail, the better I got at doing it right.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the big thing that everyone has a fear of is actually failing, which in my opinion is the dumbest thing you could
1: be, escape, be scared of. That's where my education, I can clearly tell you, and I can clearly tell anybody out there cockily and arrogantly that I have failed more times than you and that's why I'm here. And yeah. that's that's simply it. And no one... You know, you get the naysayers and all the arseholes around you that remember <laughs> how many times you failed. They're not your friends and they're not your clients. Yep. But what happens is you, you end up failing four times and then you're successful once. And those people that don't want to do business with you, they look at where you've come to, get to where you are, and they want to work with you. But the people that laugh at all your failings, like Colonel Sanders. Yep. Anyone mention Colonel Sanders? Makes chicken. Didn't invite the lo- uh, light bulb, didn't invent a car, didn't invent anything else. They he got it chicken. right once. Yep. Just once. And that's all that mattered. And no one can remember how many times he failed. I think the story is something like about a thousand 900 times. Yeah, he got turned down like a thousand times or something and then got accepted once. You know, Walt Disney, bankrupt. Ford, bankrupt. You know, just. J.K. Rowling. No one remembers the failures. J.K. Rowling, yeah. There's a whole list of them, but people don't remember the failings; they just they remember, remember the, success. the success. That's and actually... that comes, that comes from failing. So yep. you've got to fail to get the success.
0: Yep. I mean, the thing. What was it? Was it Winston Churchill that said this best? The uh, definition of perseverance is going from one from failing to failing without losing any, um, without losing it, not confidence, but like without stopping essentially i'm butchering the quote I can't remember it but basically personally yeah. i mean you can go from one thing to the next failing constantly but you know you'll win and something that's quite interesting i'm gonna bring this up just only because i was at the event last week uh do you know who drayton bird is
1: i do know that name
0: yeah drayton worked with david Ogilvy. he's one of the oldest advertising dudes that's still alive that's him.
1: right yeah, yeah yeah i knew yes yes
0: now, fun story, I will tell you, I'll tell you the fun story after I tell you this one fact. Um, so I remember Drayton actually talked about uh, how David Ogilvy, probably one of the greatest ad men of our, of our times, um, yep. was scared shitless because he he'd think he'd fail every single time. And he did fail quite often, but a lot of people don't know, is that he'd fail in private. And the way he'd fail in private was he'd write the ad, send it off to someone else, they would read it, tell him it was wrong, send it back, and keep fixing it. Now, by the time it was quote unquote perfect, it was like the ninth or tenth or hundredth ad he's written for the same thing to be mailed into the client. So, with the client think, I only got one, but for David, he's like, that's number 100. You don't know anything about that. And the reason I also wanted to bring up uh, Drake was because when he was here and he told me this story, uh, where I live in, because I live in Soho. Directly downstairs from my apartment is Drayton's old office. Go figure.
1: Gino, know, I'll give you an extension to that 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 fact that's actually happening now. Yep. So I get employed, you know, as you know, I own a concierge firm, and I, I'm pretty well known for doing, like, amazing stuff. You know, going to the Titanic, getting married mm-hmm. in the Vatican, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. You bet. I ask. had this... I, thank you. I have this America, uh, this Australian group that every year we do two trips with our directors and partners and stuff. And they're always really cool trips around the world, you know, Tokyo, New York, all these different things. This year they wanted a Silicon Valley trip. So I took them up to Silicon Valley with 26 people and we toured Apple, um, let me get this right, Apple, Tesla, um, Instagram, Facebook, Microsoft, Uh, Impossible Foods, and there were a few other. And the first day I got there, the first trip we did was Microsoft. And then the following one was Instagram. Then it was Facebook. And there was a quick trend that happened within all of these groups. And I'm not kidding you. You've got to get it in your head. These are really beautiful buildings. And they're new buildings. And you're walking through them. And in the middle of the building, there'll be a room which has got graffiti on it, or it's a, you know, a bit knocked on it. has got a chalkboard outside, and it will say on it, you know, Steve's Garage. And you write your name on it, but it's got the word garage. And then when you open up the door, usually, though, like, there's nothing on the floor. It's it's, it's concrete or just slab. Um, and it's shelves, but on the shelves is like the best VR equipment and AR equipment at 3D printers. Everything that you can only dream that hasn't hit the market yet, but in a kind of really rough, raw setting. And when we first saw this, and bearing in mind the rest of the building is plush and beautiful and fantastic, this place looked like a big cupboard. (laughs) And I said to them, I said, yeah, you got this garage here. And they went, yeah, everything in Silicon Valley started in the garage. So they said, most groups have garages, and this is your place to fail. Wow. And we're giving you a safe environment to fail. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really good. They, they encourage you to come in here and try something. And if it screws up, uh, no worries. Now, we then went on to um, Instagram and Facebook. And Facebook made me laugh because they took it a step further. You literally had the garage door, the up and over door. <laughs> and. I I know, it was weird. And I thought to myself, at minimum, it's got to be on a remote control. And they went, nope, nope, you've got to unlock it at the bottom and you've got to lift it up. And I went, why do you – this campus is worth millions and billions of dollars. I said, you you can't even get a remote control. And they said the experience of that up and over door is what most of us went through when we first started doing what we're doing. So everything was about getting in a safe environment to fail. And I that I – I found that really encouraging that even at that level, they realize that progress is only through failure.
0: That is amazing. And that is something that, again, a lot of people just don't seem to realize. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this with the online trend, because in the world that I come from, which is mostly online marketing and advertising, a lot of people, they get, they fail, but what they, they sometimes fail. What they tend to do is they get a small success, not something substantial, like a small success or they're fake. They their way into it by saying that they've done it. Now you and I both know you can't re- you can't stay fake for too long. You'll always get found out. Nah. Yeah. Be- because the experience of being real comes from failure. The experience comes from having your heart broken, from having someone tear you a new one, from having, in my case, when I used to fight, having my ass kicked hundred and ten times in the gym before I had oh, fight. Oh yeah. Cause like yeah. um, I used to fight in Muay Thai. Like Thai boxing was my sport, and that was really teams. yeah. Uh, I had a pretty impressive record as well, but we'll talk about that later on. But like Thai boxing,
1: was well, my... we should because I fought Wu Shu Kwan when I was in London. Oh, sweet,
0: nice. Because I used to train up in yeah. Leicester.
1: Um, <laughs> so I trained. In,
0: yeah, I trained in Leicester for a while, and then I then uh, I moved to Canada for three months, and I ended up training at a TriStar gym. Uh, George St. Pierre's gym. Oh, uh, yeah. And Fira Sahabi. So I ended up training out of their gym for a little bit. Then I moved to San Diego for three months. And then I had to move back to the UK. But around that time, what I realized was the amount of times I got my ass whooped in the gym, comparatively, and getting hit in the face in the gym, comparatively to being in the ring, was minute. Like, we figured out the numbers over my fight career. On average, I was being punched maybe three or four times in the face per fight. In the gym, it was like 20 or 30 per round yeah it's because yep. like you're just going in there because you know what you're after but that those lessons in failure give you the experience to know when to move out the way when to move when not to do things and it's the same thing in business it you know who to talk to when to talk when to shut up and when to ask the right questions that comes from experience and you can't fake that
1: no no that's accurate
0: yeah so i was actually gonna say so you did wushu uh wushu khan for a long time how long do you train
1: uh, I trained up until the time I moved to Hong Kong. Um, and so I was, uh, <laughs> as an Irish boy in London, you know, my, there was always the, uh, the, the Friday, <clears throat> the Friday lunchtime fights in the local pub yep. and I was always getting my head kicked in. So I thought to myself, I got to do two things. I've either got to learn to run away. Um, and then I think my family would have kicked me in. I yeah, said, Oh, I've course. got to learn to get a better fighter. So I started doing kickboxing to become a better fighter. I originally, to be able to beat people up. That was the, you know, the intelligence behind it. And yeah. what you find is the better fighter you become, the less you fight. Yep. And because... so it, it was great.
0: Yeah. Well, if, I don't know about you, but this is going to sound real woo woo about it, but there's something a friend of mine told me, he goes, when you start to fight really well, you kind of give off an aura of don't fuck with me.
1: Oh, you do. You yeah. do. You but... did this so many times that you would be in a scenario And you get you get the guy looking around trying to get his stripes and tries, you know, and they always want to pick on the big guy, and they'd come your way, and you just look at them because you're there's a difference, and I learned, and again, this is this can be taken into business. There's a difference to wanting to be wanting to do it and being able to do it. We don't want to crawl under the house to fix a leak, but we know we can. Mm -hmm. And that was the exact same with fighting. I don't want to be in a fight, but hey. I know how to do it, and that's a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Yep. I mean, you'd be surprised, like, how many people... that um, like, I avoid fights at all costs nowadays. Um, just simply because, well, hey, let's be honest. I'm brown, and after this shit that's kicked off in London the last couple of months, it is really unwise for me to even start a fight with anyone or get into a fight with anyone. Because that shit will escalate far too quickly and be blown out of proportion. Yeah. Like I miss the yeah. old days where if you get into a fight with someone over a disagreement, the moment's settled, you shake hands, you go get a drink and you end you call it quits. Or you don't like You're each dumb, other. Yeah. It it's done. Yep. There's no need of this like three week beef shit that you need to deal with. It's done, you punched me in the face, you punched my lights out, I bought you a drink, we're fine. Let's just leave it as is and walk away as gentlemen. There's no problems with that. But people don't have that anymore. But like, okay. So my question to you here, because uh, well, you you're into motorcycles, aren't you? I um, am. Yeah. So what would you say would be your favorite motorcycle you've ever ridden or owned or wanted to own? Actually, three questions: favorite one that you've ridden, favorite one you've uh, rode and well owned, and the one you've always wanted to own.
1: All right. Well, so let's start off with the arrogance. Um, I'm <laughs> very thankful it. that I I've owned. Uh, I've owned or ridden most bikes I've ever wanted to because quite simply, if I want to do something, I go and do it. Um, Good
0: man. There's no benefit
1: in yearning. So uh, any bike I like, I go and buy, ride, borrow, uh, that. Um, I have a number of motorcycles. I'm actually calling you now from my safe zone, and this is my garage. I do all of my podcasts and interviews from my garage, and I'm looking at it here, and I've got eight motorcycles currently here in my garage ranging from a 1974 up to a 2016 uh, Ducati Panigale. Nice. And every single one of them, I've got Harleys in here, I've got Ducatis in here, Nortons. I can go – here's a perfect example. My race bike is 205 brake horsepower and can top out probably around about 190 mile an hour. Okay, nice. My Norton can top out at about maybe a 100, maybe 101. But by 80 mile an hour, it's rattling your arms off. If I do 50 mile an hour or 60 mile an hour on the Norton, I've got more experience of speed than if I'm doing 100 mile an hour on the Panigale. So each bike gives me a different experience. So the best bike that I've, uh, the best bike I like to ride is quite simply the next one I'm going to roll out of the garage. That's and always I don't good know though. what they – yeah, you'll lift it up and you'll go, today's a Harley day. Yeah, you know, I'm going to cruise down a bit. Today's a day where I need to put my knee down around Holland. Today's a day where I need to go Brit. You just don't know, but I'm very lucky in the fact that I've provided myself with these different platforms of experience in the form of bikes.
0: Yep, and I've actually found like bike riding is just one of those things that just <coughs> relaxes you if you do it correctly.
1: Well, I had um, a, a friend of mine, Tim Ferriss. Um, he was, you know, he goes on about meditation a lot, yeah, and me and like a lot of entrepreneurs, I can't meditate for shit. You know, you <laughs> yeah. sit there, you fold your legs and within three nanoseconds you're going, did I respond to that email? Did I do that? And all of a sudden your head's exploded and you can't relax. One of the things I did learn, um, and it was actually Neil Strauss, that meditation doesn't mean crossing your legs and singing Kumbaya. It means getting out of that space yep. and detracting yourself from it. Now, I suddenly realized That that meditation I got when I was sparring, when I was um, on a water ski, when I was riding motorcycles. So Mm -hmm. you've got to find your reset, your your moment where you can't get involved. If I'm on the bike, I can't carry a coffee. I can't carry a passenger. I can't be on the phone. I am detracted from everything. So that when the bike pulls up and I get off and I take my helmet, then... I'm regenerated. I've been I've I've been I've been recharged like you do a bloody iPhone. So I do urge people out there to find what it is. It could be playing a piano. It could be reading a book. But you've got to find a way of disconnecting for an hour because you will physically come back 20 times stronger when you actually get back in to where you need to be for the work. Yep,
0: I agree entirely. One of the things I found with, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying, but like, one of the places I actually find that, that that does this a lot for me is in between copywriting projects. When I'm writing copy or consulting for clients, I get re- if I get really bogged down, the thing I do is I pack up my bag and go down to my gym and just do some jiu jitsu for about an hour, hour and a half, come back, and it's perfect because I did it this morning. I was like, I've got a problem I need to solve. I'm going to do some jujitsu and in that moment I just thought you know what let's see what my thoughts are do- doing right now just tuning into my thoughts went to my thought pattern for a second you know what I found not a single fucking word was to do with work, money lifestyle, friends or anything it was just like I'm in here right now I'm chilling out I'm going to go roll with this person I'm going to go spar with this person We're going to have fun here and that's it I'm going to go home and have a shower that's all that was in my mind when I started my yep. work today yep. knocked out the park I mean, this morning. And you need to do that. It's important. Yep. Far too often you hear that overproductive thing where it's like work, 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 work. No, you need fun as well. You need relaxation because if it's not fun, what's the point of doing it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met, um, I can say, sadly, I've met a ton of people that are incredibly rich and have no wealth. And I've often realized that there's a huge difference between rich and wealth and wealth is lifestyle um your own credibility your own circle your own confidence and i've met poor people that are incredibly wealthy so it is a shame that people put too much emphasis on the uh, the digits in the bank account
0: yeah they really do now just kind of sidetracking here because your book's not coming out for another couple of months it's like blue fishing the art of making things happen like, what do you go into that? Like, I know it's probably like a massive documentary of like, all the stuff that you've done, but what would be some of the finer points?
1: Actually, it's not. Um, really? Yeah, this was something that uh, um, myself and Michelle Martin uh, from Simon Schuster North Star we were chatting about, and it was one of those things that anyone that meets me and anyone that's listening to this podcast is realizing, well, this is a guy that drinks whiskey, rides around in motorcycles, and just gets shit done. Okay, Mm -hmm. and that is the intelligence of it. There is nothing that I do that no one out there can't do and maybe even superiorly better than me. What I've done is I just do what I say I'm going to do and I stick to very, very primitive uh, um, principles, how I market, how I write copy, how I present myself, how I present me and not a persona that I want you to see. All of these kind of things that I've learned, and as I said to you at the beginning, that have created me to become educated in the 51 years and doing all the stuff I do um, is in this book. And it's coupled at the end of every chapter with, okay, I did this with Sir Elton John, but you know, you can do this to get a promotion or you can do this to improve the relationship with your loved one. The principles are the same. The level in which I utilize them that's the the, the colourful part of the book that's hopefully going to make you go, he did what in the Vatican? He did what with the International Space Station? He did what was Easy Top? You know, but it's not a kind of like, hey, I did this. It's a, I did this by utilising this, and you can do that. And it's even at the end of every chapter, got a simple checklist of, okay, these are the basics that are in this chapter. So you can actually go through this book and just read those bullet points and still be stronger but again, the usual thing comes, the, the, the benefit's not in the idea, the benefit's in the action. And this does give you actionable steps to be able to improve where you are and what you're doing.
0: That's amazing. See, I, now I just want you to release the book so I can read it. Man, what do I have to it was to?
1: Really, It was really exciting. Um, I've got, you know, I could name drop for frickin' ever. Um, yeah. And it wouldn't be to impress, it's just that I'm very lucky that I've got people... Uh, in my speed dial. And I've done this before. I'm looking through my phone book and I'm scrolling up because I'm looking for, you know, Betsy or Bertie or something like that. And then I'll see like the head of the Vatican or I'll go a little bit further and there'll be the the head of, you know, CAA. And I'm like, shit, this, I'm, there's some numbers in here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it does fascinate me every now and then the circle I'm in. And to be able to speak to all of these peoples like the, the Tims and the, the Ryan Holidays and the, the Tucker Max and all these kind of people, And then to be able to go, because it was actually Tucker Max that actually helped me get this book. He was like, You gotta do this book, Steve. You know, every time we we sit here and we have a few beers, you start talking about you've got to put this out there. And hence, here it is. It's been a couple of years, but it comes out in October.
0: Man, I can't wait for that book to come out. And you know what? You've actually mentioned some (laughs) of my actual heroes already i'm like god damn i really like that's the thing because i want to talk to these guys as well and get them on the show but those guys like massive heroes for who they are but to you they're your friends and that's incredible and again uh, well you say you've been massively lucky i say you've been carefully skilled because what you do and what someone else can do if they just knew it's not even knowing what you do how do i put this in a way that makes sense what you do is you just take action and you fucking jump off the cliff and fly where most people just sit there and teeter around the edge, thinking what they're about to do next. And honestly, yeah. what you what you've done and are doing is simply just an extension of who you are, and that right there is wealth. Because you fucking enjoy. Yeah.
1: It. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. I will spend so many. T- you don't know the water's hot until you stick your finger in it. Exactly. And I, I have just done so many things, and I try to teach my kid this. You know, they, they they're sitting there going oh I've got to apply for this job and I'm like well step one pick up the phone and ask them if they've got vacancies yeah and they're like yeah but how do I prepare for that well it's easy you pick up the phone you ask them if they've got any vacancies there's someone said to me a while ago um, uh, paralysis by analysis I have never and it's been my downside I've never ever over analyzed anything I've jumped in realized it's failed, and gone, all right, back up. I'm going to jump in again, but I'm not going to go down that route. And sometimes you brush it and you fail again. You go, okay, well, there's two ways that I've learned that doesn't work. Let's jump in again. And while people are actually building up that PowerPoint presentation, you've done it 20 times, gained education. And bear in mind, that educational failure, that can be used in other avenues. Because quite often – Something will come to you and you will go, I want to try that. Oh, actually, it's quite similar structure to this. And that failed 20 times. So I've already learned 20 times how this would probably fail. And I've noticed that the more I do successfully, the greater my credibility, the greater the doors open, and the greater chance that it's going to work.
0: Yeah, that is true. And honestly, when you're saying that, my brain just sweat onto you. Honestly, if you really want to, if you want to turn that into an analogy of anything, just remember playing Super Mario when you were younger. Oh, yeah. Because you go down the wrong tube, you die. You end up on the right tube, you win. Guess what? You go through it down the wrong tube 10, 20 times, guess what? You're actually going to remember which way to go. Now, there is a question that you've actually got here in the book that I'm totally going to take away from the, uh, take from the Amazon page because, again, it's one of those things. Why do you ask why three times? I'm curious. Like, what's, what's that about? (laughs)
1: People, in in my job, you end up becoming a little bit of a therapist as well. So when people come to you, they want to talk to you. But I, I could say to someone on the street, how much money you got in the bank account? Now, they'd be a little bit nervous to tell me, and they may want to add a few digits to it or add a few thousand or a million to the number. But the fact is, it's a number. It's just a number. But if you walk up to someone and you look them straight in the eye and say, look, You can have anything happen to you this afternoon at 2 p.m. What would it be? And all of a sudden, they kind of go deer in headlights, and they're like, oh, my God, anything. And they may want to sit there, and they may go, I want to be a princess in Disney. But they're going to look at you, and because this is now deep, deep, deep inside of them coming out, they'll look at you, and they'll not want to expose that. So they'll go, oh, I would like to go to Disney. And they won't complete. So you ask them one, you ask them three times. The first time they're going to tell you what they think you want to hear. The second time you ask them why, they're going to tell you about a little bit further in. You're eventually going to get to what makes them tick, what makes them feel. The third ask will always get to the emotional. So you've got to go through the three asks. Give them the chance to first of all tell you what they think you want to hear. The second time, That's when the cracks start coming in. And the third time is usually the dime when you actually get into what really matters. And I've had that. I had a a, a really well-known one. I had a client from CNBC. And as a uh, a student, he actually slept on uh, his mate's couch. And he was the lead singer of a journey cover band to earn money to pay for his education. Okay. And fast forward like 30-odd years, 40 years – He's no longer sleeping on couches. He's very successful in the money markets. He contacted me, and he wanted to complete this cycle because he'd always remember Journey, the rock band, had been there at the beginning of his life. He wanted to meet them, and he said to me, I just want to say thank you and let them know what they meant to me. So I said to him, okay, will that do it? He's like, what do you mean? So you meet them. In the hallway on the way to a concert, to a jamming session, to a recording, you go, Hey, my name's X, and you know, you, you meant a lot to me. And they go, Hey, that's great, brilliant. Yeah, man. And they walk on. Will that do what you want it to do? And he was like, Well, no. I said, So what do we need to do to, to actually give you that experience? He's like, Well, you know, maybe you can I hang out with them a little bit more. All right. So you were the lead singer of a cover band. Now you're okay if you have coffee with them for 10 minutes. You know, is that going to He's like, well, yeah. So hang on, you were the lead singer. Don't you want to sing with them? And so by getting through all this, we eventually put him live on stage in San Diego, and he sang four tunes live on stage in front of everyone with the entire Journey Rock Band, all the pyrotechnics, lasers, the whole thing. And he is deemed as the shortest term lead singer of the Rock Band Journey. <laughs> now that is completing a cycle
0: holy shit that's completing a cycle in style
1: yeah yeah well uh, otherwise there's no point is there
0: no there really isn't <laughs> <laughs> i can see why people keep telling you to write this damn book because like seriously though that's just incredible so my question to you here is how would someone that is in that position how do they get started like what is something they can do if they want to reach out to someone like you know me i want to reach out say tim ferris
1: Whoa All deep. right, so you remember you remember the uh, the old, and you screwed up Winston Churchill's quote. So you can you can yep, let me off fine. if I screw this one up. But there's an old <laughs> Japanese proverb about when's the best time to plant a cherry tree, a cherry blossom, and it's a a hundred years ago, b today. So there's never a better time than than this actual second. If you want to get hold of anyone, and I'm not going to you know keep pitching a book, but it is in there about how to connect with anyone. If you want to connect anyone, the first thing you've got to do is ask yourself what's in it for them. Yep. Now, the internet has given us the ability to literally connect with anyone. Now, you may go through the agents, you may go through the publicist, you may go to a charity that they're related to, but nine times out of 10, you can find a way of getting hold of them direct. But you know, why it's important for you, it may be a gut reaction, maybe love, lust, fantasy, you may just be a huge fan. That's all what benefits you. When you go to anyone, you've got to ask yourself, what is it gonna be that makes them want to keep me? Getting your foot in a door is one thing. Being so amazing that they don't want you to leave, that's another. So you've got to, first of all, any conversation you go, what is going to make it so impossible for them to want to not let me off this phone call? They they, they have to have me in that circle. What's that got to be? Now it could be a charity, you know. Let, let's pick on Tim for argument's sake. Okay, yeah, let's make it fun could of be. Yeah, he Look, there is plenty of ammo to make the take the piss out of Ferris. Um, oh. He does it himself all the time. That's um, why we love him. Yeah, tim, Tim's tim got the TV show going on, on audience. Tim's got constantly working on new books, constantly looking to make connections with other people. So he's got these things that are in his life, that are in his dynamic. If you can get in there and insert yourself in there and go, hey, I know you've got a TV show. I would love to expose that show to my viewers, which will increase his viewership, which will get him a second season. Hey, I know that you're always working on books. What is there that you're currently working on that maybe I can help you with? You know, I know you like to meet interesting people. What can I do to help you meet those people? You've got to give them a reason. Now, I've, I did um, – hey, I, it sounds cocky, but I'll give you the other one. Uh, I had a client that wanted to have dinner in Italy, and he wanted the most amazing dinner. What we did was we actually took over the academia in Florence – The house is Michelangelo's David. And we put a table of six at the bottom of Michelangelo's David. And then halfway through that dinner, we had Andrea Bocelli come in and serenade them.
0: Holy shit.
1: Now, this was by, without a doubt, the most amazing Italian dinner you could ever get. But it all started from that, well, where's the most amazing location? Well, you've got the Vatican. You've got rome you got the coliseum yeah none of those places were really intimate enough but the academia at the feet of the most iconic statue we i fell in love with that idea and so did my crew when i asked them so we phoned up the academia and we said to them hey i want to tell you about a client of mine we actually went in there and i told them a quick story about what i had dreamt up i didn't i didn't pick up the phone and go hey can I have this on this day? I said, hey, I just can you bear with me a second? I just want to tell you a story about two clients. They want this. And I told them what I had to do, what my parameters, what my goal had been, what my direction had been to create, and then why I wanted it to be there. Now, in no point of this conversation had there been a question that they could have answered with yes or no, because I didn't want them to answer yes or no yet. I wanted them to buy into the dream. And yeah. – the lady on the other end of the phone she turned around to me and she said but we've never done this before Hello. and i said then can't you see how amazing it would be to do it now and by now she was all, you know, it was it was a weak answer someone says well we've never done that before so it's only impossible until someone does it so they they did it it was an amazing experience One of the things that did make me giggle quite severely, I I literally had a a laughing attack with it. As we've got the two front doors of the academia, the museum opened up in Florence. On the doors, there's about 20 brass plaques, which is like every language was exactly the same statement on each plaque. No food or drink in the academia. And there we are, taking in this table with hot plates, chefs, candelabras, the whole works. And it just tickled me, Pink, that they was clearly stating in about 20 different plaques, no food or drink in here, and here we were walking in there with a full six-course meal.
0: (laughs) See, that is incredible. That is just incredible. And something that, if anyone's missed the actual key function here, there's two things here. Number one, put it in what's in it for them. For this, as an example, it's uh, you get to do something that no one else has done. And two story stories freaking sell stories connect us they bind us and they make us do things in an amazing way would you agree or disagree Steve
1: I, I would definitely agree and every story has to have passion no passion no point
0: yeah there is. there really isn't why would you do anything if there was no story behind it I mean even the, look at everything that has happened that's great and quote unquote evil some of it is actually evil in history all of it started with a story a story that people yeah. bought into and that's what happens. So if you can turn what you're doing into a story, it's amazing. And I'm glad you actually mentioned the whole thing with Tim because that's I'm definitely freaking doing that. <laughs> he's gonna get like 50 do messages it. from like five weeks from now, going, "Hey Tim, he's from so
1: yeah, spoke people. to spoke to your boy Sims."
0: Yeah, he said I should do this, so thank him. <laughs> it's all good. But no,
1: but <laughs> as as go. go. Yeah, you but should. S- you should.
0: Definitely, so yeah, I'll just hit him on Twitter or something. But as far as it goes with um, something I really didn't wanna talk about, like you've hit, obviously we've spoken about failure a hell of a lot, but mindset is something that I really wanted to get into with you. What's your actual mindset when you hit a snag in the road? Is it dust yourself off and jump again? Or is it, I'm gonna wait for a minute, feel good and jump again? Or do you just keep going?
1: Um, I'm not an intelligent person. so I don't have I don't have that 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 brain cell that says hey you shouldn't do that again I'm the guy that does get up and go again I remember my dad and it's kind of weird you know I remember in my 20s thinking that my my family working in the construction industry were you know they were lazy you know, because they didn't push themselves or bigger houses or bigger cars and you know they weren't that intelligent and I remember my dad one day you know just Casually walking down the street and he had his hand on my shoulder and something happened and he turned around me said no one ever drowned by falling in the water son they drowned by staying there and I remember looking at him and going the fuck was that you know and then fast forward 10 years it suddenly hits you like a bolt out of blue so we do drown if we stay there so I'm fearful of actually staying in the water. That's actually really true if there's any so that's what gets learned. up. so the fear drives me it's quite simply if I get a smack alright I now know not to go there recoil guard up go in again
0: <laughs> that's fucking epic I love that so wow okay so I've got to just ask you here so what is probably one of your favourite stories to tell about something that you've done that you, that
1: you did for you not for clients that you did for you that you genuinely enjoy well, I've told you I'm not intelligent. I can also tell you that I'm actually very boring. Um, I live vicariously through my clients' requests. So um, I, I was in Tel Aviv about a month ago doing TV shows and stuff and doing a VIP thing around Jerusalem. Um, I never would have thought of doing that. But, you know, because my clients are constantly bombarding us with these these things they want to do, I get to do it. So, um, I am thrilled every time I can sit at home with my family, sip a nice whiskey, roll a couple of steaks on the barbie, my kids are playing in the pool, everyone's safe, everyone's fed. That that to me is wealth. It can't. I could have 20 more digits in my bank account, it won't make me any more wealthier than that moment.
0: Yeah, because you have actually hit that level of, well, I wouldn't say
1: tranquility,
0: is it tranquility? But it's kind of like a, an easiness about what you do. And you've got yeah, um,
1: yeah, I have got what I want. Um, and another couple of motorcycles coming here is not going to make me any happier. Uh, May do for ten minutes, but um, it's it's everything else within your life, or the ability to turn around and go, yes, I want a couple of motorcycles, and it's not going to avoid me paying the mortgage this month. So, yeah. it I am a very fortunate person that, but it took me a while to get there. Um, yeah. There was a time when I thought that being successful meant I had to have an Audemars PJ watch, or I had to have uh, this suit, or I had to have stories of this bar in Monaco. There was that period when I thought that I had to become someone in order to be successful. And then um, that actually was the start of a downslide for me. But I was lucky enough to catch it and go, well, hang on a minute, I've become someone I'm not and it's not me so i'm going to i'm going to shut it again so you have got to be careful about staying you
0: yeah because that's a big one i mean i've lost myself it's a massive. couple of times
1: i've lost myself a couple yeah, of times yeah a lot of people of a lot of people do a lot of people do and if you're really lucky you got someone close enough that looks at you and goes who are you and if if you're lucky enough to have that and you can even look in a mirror and or get a picture i remember getting a photograph When I was at a party in Monaco, now, again, when anyone looks at me, they'll see that I ride motorcycles, I don't have a car, and I wear black T-shirt and jeans all the time. There's a couple of times a year, you know, like the Oscars and the awards when I do a a, a tux, but I am black T-shirt and jeans forever. Um, But this this party in Monaco, yeah, this party in Monaco, I remember, you know, getting a suit on to, to, you know, to, to go to this like paddock club party and stuff. And, I had a Ferrari and I remember looking at this picture and going, who the hell's that? <laughs> um, and it wasn't me. And so I shunned it all and got back to who I was because let's be honest, it's you that makes you successful. So don't fuck with you.
0: Yeah, you, Inc. is the best thing that you could yeah. ever be a part of. All right, so my favorite questions asked in the show, uh, it's actually two, but you've kind of already answered one of them. Uh, just because I weirdly asked it and you got the answer. But I guess the other one is uh, my favorite question is that what advice would you give someone that is... There's two types of people. There's one that's basically, hey, I'm kind of... I I had some wins. I'm kind of down on my luck. And the other one is I've hit a plateau in what I want to do. What pieces of advice would you give those guys? Could be one, could be three, could be five. Whatever number of pieces of advice you want to give,
1: what advice would you give those guys? So... Jean Paul DeGioia said said to me once. He said that it'll all come out good in the end, and if it's not good at the moment, it's not the end. And I remember that coming from him. And if you if you want to if you want to look at an icon, and I know a lot of people out there go, oh, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, yeah, these are great people, but I'm urging you, check up the history on Jean Paul DeGioia, the owner of uh, Port Mitchell Supplies. Uh, and uh, Patron, Patron um, this, right. this, yeah, this guy is just solid, and his wisdoms are brilliant. Um, and believe it or not, he doesn't have an email or a cell phone, even today. So, oh, I can believe that. It. Guy, yeah, that guy's got some brilliant But so, I would tell people that if they're down on their luck, if they are losing everything, and they're just they're just in the shitter at the moment, congratulations. Because positioning is everything, and you can't go up without first going down. And you're down, and you're, you're seconds away. Hold your breath and swim like fuck, because it's coming. And if you don't swim, you stayed in the water. So swim. now's your time. If you're down there, you're in the last round, you've run out of energy, you're getting too many slaps to the head, now's the time where you dig deep. And as they always say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog.
0: Yep. That is so fucking true.
1: And what was That's... what was the other one?
0: That was the one what where they the hit a question? plateau. That was the one, like the, yeah. uh, the person. Oh, that hits the plateau a plateau.
1: You can actually then you can use that that uh, I was answering the guy who was down on his luck, but you can actually take that to the plateau as well. If you want to People see plateaus. People design plateaus. And I I found this before. They love to be in a rut and they cage themselves in to this is my plateau. This is how I get up in the morning. This is what I do. Change your routine. If you have breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning, have it at 7.30. If you have Alpine, go and have porridge. Change your routine because then when you start to make change, change happens. And that plateau goes away. You know, you think you're not getting very well with your sales. That's because you are continuing the same thing you do every day. And I think it was um, Einstein that said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing every day and expecting something different or expecting a different result. So if you're on a plateau, well, guess what? Look at yourself in the mirror because you probably created it. So start making small changes, what you wear, how you talk, the music you listen to, the route you take to work. How you get to work. If you make change, change occurs.
0: That's so fucking true. Dude, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. And guys, I cannot urge you enough to go check out Steve's book when it comes out, which is Blue Fishing. The Art of Making Things Happen. You can pick it up on Amazon. Feel free to hit him up on Twitter, Facebook, or wherever you can find him because Steve's a great dude to follow anyway. Uh, Send him some whiskey. By all means, ask him for his address. Send him some whiskey (laughs) He'll appreciate that for sure. Quality much, not shit. So. Quality, not shit. That's the rules. <laughs> Never send shit whiskey to another man. That's the rules of everything. Um, hey, it's the way gentlemen plays. So anyway, guys, check out Steve's site as well, Steve And as always, we will see you on another episode of Marcy Unplugged. Steve, thank you so for being thank you so much for being uh, an amazing guest and giving us such great
1: pleasure. Thanks, thank guys. you.
0: See you guys soon. Bye.